Hey everyone, great to have you back for I Want to Be A here on LJN Radio, where we speak with professionals in a variety of industries and fields so they can give some tips and the inside track on these particular positions. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Now this is part two of I Want to Be a Chiropractor with Dr. Cynthia Vaughn down in Texas. We continue the conversation by talking about a typical day in her field and learning how they figure out exactly what to do when people walk in their door. All right, so go through all the education, you, you know, succeed in the job interview, have a job now. What? Walk us through a little bit of what might be a typical day. And I know things can be, change, and obviously clients have different needs, that sort of thing, but what would sort of be your average typical day for a chiropractor? Okay, well, um, I obviously get to the office early in the morning, and that's very top-heavy because people want to come on their way to work mm-hmm. and on their way home. So the hours in a practice are 10 hours, but then you, you cut two hours out in the middle of your day for a long lunch. So we are here at 8 o'clock to pick up those early mornings. Some people even start at 7.30. And then we're here till 6 p.m. picking up the after-work crowd, and we close from 12 to 2. And so uh, two hours is great. I do all my Christmas shopping, all my errand running, and it's the middle of the week, so I'm not, you know, I hate going to the mall on the weekends, sure. right? So. And the employees appreciate that, too. If you don't do that, you're going to have somebody working over eight hours, and then you get into overtime and all that mess from a management standpoint. And by the way, before I forget, I want to, to let your listeners know that, yes, this is healthcare, absolutely, but it's also a small business. And the only other that, that just makes it a little different, if you look at the medical model, they're almost exclusively in groups, and they have usually people that coordinate all the business end for them. They literally, or hospitals, which is even more so, they literally just come in and doctor. They don't have to worry about anything, marketing, the business angle, nothing. It's all done for them. Not so with chiropractic. We are much more mom and pop, you know, single doctor in a shingle. Might have a couple associates with them, but it's more a unique single unit and therefore if you you could be the best doctor in the world best chiropractor in the world if you're a lousy business person you will fail Mm -hmm. so that's what's so horrible you've got to be able to juggle those things and understand it's a business too and and that's just like oh whoa shock because you think of it as health and just the care and the delivery but you do that and you're not going to make it and then that definitely doesn't serve the patient right if you go out of business so we'll come in at eight and I'm usually very busy. So I get here early because I need to have a cup of coffee. I need, to, I need to wear my office hat. I've just come from being a mom and a wife, you know, and I've got, I have to have that minute. And so then I go boom, 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 pretty solid for about ten, two hours. And then at 10, there's usually a lull. I might see a new patient or two, and they'll take more time. You sit down, knee to knee, gather a complete history. How how do you do this? Oh, I gave Fifi a bath and wrenched my back. Okay. Then you do an examination, may need x-rays, go over that. So new patient processing is always much longer. And then you may, while they're changing, run and see three or four more patients that have been stacked up. And then you come back in, complete your exam, order any diagnostics and then uh, treat a few more patients while they're changing, and then somehow make it to lunch, (laughs) and then go spend a couple hours, get away from the office uh, if you can. I mean, a lot of times that's when you have to use to get caught up on paperwork. But the sooner you do the paperwork in conjunction with the delivery of the service, the better. You don't want to get all your files stack up and say, I'll do them tomorrow. No, you won't, and you'll forget. So it's really important, and, and the law requires Certainly, the standard of care requires that you get your stuff documented within a reasonable amount of time from the delivery of the service. And then you can get something to eat and come back at 2 o'clock and do it all over again. Two is kind of usually a good 
new patient time. It's not super busy. People okay. don't like to leave work in the middle of their day, that kind of thing. And then toward the end of the day, it's crazy again until the, the end of the work rush is over. And then you get your paperwork done and go home, toes up. <laughs> well, it definitely sounds like a position for people who like to be on the move and, and constantly busy because, uh, I mean, the way you explain the morning and afternoon definitely sounds like you're uh, pretty much on the go nonstop. But not, and then, again, that can be a good thing if that's if that's your personality, obviously. Exactly. And it isn't just sitting, which I love. I'm up and down the hallways, you know, and uh, it's a very physical and active profession, and I like that. I mean, that, that suits me. I, I would hate to sit in a cubby and just stare at a computer all day. I, I couldn't do that. So this this was definitely the right profession for me. You know, obviously we get a lot of questions from people just about different professions and different little intricacies, that sort of thing. And the thought comes up, well, how do we know that the chiropractor is doing exactly, you know, what they should be? Or how, how do you exactly figure that out? Is it a feel thing? I mean, obviously you've studied all this stuff and you have the experience, but when it comes down to each individual person, does it come down to just what you're feeling and, and your experience, like past memory? How does that all work together? Because it does seem a little bit different, at least in people's minds, of a doctor looking at a chart and, and sort of going off of that thing. Yeah, I, I thought I'm understanding. I think I'm understanding what you're asking me. I would say the the most important thing is that the patient feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. If they're not comfortable, it, just listen to your 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 intuition. If something is just not right, that's not you're probably not going to experience healing with that person anyway. Find another chiropractor, you know. But obviously, if they do anything untoward, if if you, they hurt you in any way, if they offend you in any way, or you know, say something, don't seem professional. And don't treat you with respect. I, I would have some red flags coming up. The other thing, those were sort of negatives. But on the positive side, I would say you go in, you're having back pain. What they're doing is relatively comfortable. You're following their, their, what their orders are, and you're getting better. And you're having more strength than you've had and maybe more health and sense and energy and wellness than you've felt in a long time. I would say it's working pretty darn well. And that this person is... is taking reasonable care of you. The only other, one other thing to the negative, if that doctor of chiropractic does not take an adequate history and does not perform uh, an examination, I would be very reticent about letting them touch me. You know, I mean, they, they ha make sure that they have listened to you. You told them what was wrong. They asked reasonable questions. They did a measure of an examination before that. So that, because I hear sometimes, I do some med mal, uh, that, you know, well, I got in there and the doctor just led me to a room and then he adjusted me like that didn't happen. What mm -hmm. I just said, oh, my goodness, big, big red flag. So they don't necessarily have to have x-rays uh, to, to perform a safe manipulation, but they sure as heck should have taken a, a history and performed an examination. If not, I would be heading for the door. And so it sounds like, I mean, it's really important also that if you are a client going in that you will disclose everything you can and be open and honest because you know, if you get bad information, that's only going to cause more problems, right? Uh, yes, as with any healthcare practitioner, you bet. And you, including uh, telling them the, what kind of medications you're on because certain medications can cause bone weakening. Hmm. And if you're going to be administering a safe adjustment, you better know what they're on in that case. Also, there are certain conditions where the only complaint is back pain. I can give you an example. A kidney infection. Sometimes the only thing is that deep ache in your back. And, and I have, I've been doing this 30 years. I've picked up 50 uh, kidney infections. I keep the strips in my office for that reason. 
I don't treat them, but I have to identify that when it walks through my door. Sure. And so, you know, we just do a quick urine stick thing. And if it's positive, oh, my goodness, Mrs. Jones, you need to see your family doctor. This looks like a kidney infection. And you may need antibiotic or whatever. And so out the door they go because there's tremendous wisdom in knowing when not to adjust someone to. Mm-hmm. Also, bone cancer. But especially if it's metastasized, say from the lung into the lumbar spine. I had a case of this in my first year of practice. And all he had was back pain that radiated down his leg. And two years prior, he'd had a disc and had a surgery. So when this happened again, he thought, oh, here it is again, my disc. And he came into me, and there was just something about him. He had like a gray pallor. I don't know. This was my women's intuition because I sure. certainly wasn't experienced enough at the time to know. But I could just tell something was wrong. We ordered a special scan. I got lucky because he had met in L2 and L4, two lower lumbar um, bones. And if, uh, who knows what would have happened if I had uh, have adjusted him. Wow. So anyway. You just, yeah, you, you have to make sure that, like you say, that any healthcare practitioner that you see, I don't care if it's an eye doctor, they should take a history and perform an exam. That's just, uh, that's just common sense, <laughs> good practice. With all this, do you ever feel, or maybe in the past you did and not as much now, but do you feel pressure or, or stress in, in knowing that you know, one false step could hurt someone or if you miss some sort of sign, something could happen on the negative. Does that go through your head? Is that something you just have to deal with? How does that sort of play out in your mind? Well, yeah, it's out there, but I don't, I'm not a sky is falling kind of person either. And I recognize it's out there, but it's, that's all you can do and perform your exam. Just be careful. Understand you can make a mistake, but a mistake, although awfully unfortunate, doesn't necessitate there'll be any uh, you know, as long as you follow the standard of care, mm-hmm. just doing something wrong or a bad thing happening doesn't mean, oh, gosh, you're going to be sued or whatever. Although we are in a litigious society, you could probably get sued, but maybe defend yourself. Uh, for example, you could, you could cause a rib fracture, you could, especially in the elderly. That could happen. Well, as long as you've done an exam and you've been prudent, you knew she was osteoporotic, you were careful, and it happened anyway, oh, that's terrible. She's going to hurt for six weeks or so. But it doesn't mean you committed malpractice. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Sure. Um, so that, that's just out there, and you, and you deal with it. You just be as careful as you can, and as long as you're practicing within the standard of care, you're going to be fine, you know, and... and so will Mrs. Jones's rib eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point you bring up about, you know, sort of being a, a Sue happy society and that just making sure you're following all the proper steps. And you mentioned even, you know, the ideas of the paperwork that that really is important and, and covering yourself in case something unfortunate does happen. Yes. And we do have to carry malpractice insurance. I don't mm-hmm. know if your listeners are aware of that. We, we do. But interestingly, it's one of the lowest, if not the lowest out there. That shows you right there. Hmm. That, that demographic that very few times does anything happen with chiropractors. We're actually a very, very safe profession. I mean, 20,000 people a year are killed by taking just Advil because of stomach uh, bleeding. They bleed out in their stomach and they die from Advil. And, you know, we're, here we are, the answer to the back pain without that stuff and those dangers. And that's one of the reasons our malpractice insurance is so low is that we just we really don't hurt people. We help them. I mean, that is, that's a very interesting fact. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people have those fears of a chiropractor for one reason or another. And I, that's interesting that I've never heard that uh, sort of comparison like that. Now, people listening are going to wonder, you know, if they are interested in this field, natural to think, okay, what's the compensation like? I'm going to be going to school for X amount of time. I may have to, you know, put in a lot of money uh, up front, depending on what, what their exact plan is or what their education is like. 
Can you give us a ballpark in terms of what the compensation would be like if you get into this field? And, you know, again, you have a couple different routes in terms of you may just be hired on by a practice or you try to get into your own, um, but just sort of a ballpark to give people an idea. Right. If you're associating, especially brand new, you're probably going to make about fifty, sixty thousand a year. But as soon as you start, it's basically a draw. As soon as you really start seeing patients on your own, then I would say it's the sky is literally the limit. I know some uh, million dollar practices, and they're they're go getters, and so it can be extremely lucrative. A um, couple three million, and you open extra clinics, and all those guys are out there <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and then just Joe, mom and pop on the corner, probably quarter two hundred, two fifty a year, something like that, and. It's getting a little tougher with the reimbursements. They continue to decline. It, more and more money is being retained by the insurance companies. I hate to say that, but it's true. Because mm-hmm. your premiums haven't gone down, have they? No, nor, nor have mine. <laughs> Yet I can tell you as a practitioner, my reimbursements have. So where's that money going? <laughs> what, where, what happened? It's staying in the pockets of the insurance companies. And the big pink elephant in the room is Obamacare. We don't know yet what that's going to look like or do, so there's a lot of questions. Um, How is that going to affect our profession? Now, I can tell you that there is a provision in, it's called PPACA, actually, everyone calls it Obamacare, but it's the Affordability Act. There's a provision, 2706, that gives provider equality it says whatever kind of doctor you are, if you and it's within your scope, of course, if you provo- provide that service, you will be reimbursed at the same rate as any other practitioner providing that service. Right now, insurance companies play games with that. And they say, oh, well, you're a chiropractor doing that? Okay, we're only going to pay you X. You're a medical doctor? Oh, we're going to pay you Y. This provision, 2706, nuts that. And it will make it level the playing field. So we don't know that we think that's going to be a very good thing for our profession, but then there's just still so many other uncertainties about the law and how that each state will manage their networks, et cetera, et cetera, that it's, uh, that that's just out there, but we'll see. And it certainly will affect reimbursement uh, and what a doctor is able to make, but hopefully for the positive, we we'll just, time will tell. Sure. And, and again, that's an excellent point. Just there is uncertainty, obviously, and not just in your field in a lot of different areas, but um, right. as much information as we can get, obviously, that's why we have individuals like you on our show. And, and there's also resources out there. We are getting low on time. And it's it's truly been a pleasure to talk to you. As I said, the, the passion for your profession has definitely come out. And that's always a big thing for our shows. For those listening who are interested, and maybe you've sort of fired them up a little bit, what would you say to them as sort of maybe your final piece of advice or, or just some tips if they're looking to get into the industry, maybe something you wish you would have known or, or maybe something that they really just need to know before they go into it, just as sort of a, a final word, a final take on it? Gosh, yes. I would say if you are leaning towards any kind of healthcare, physical therapy or massage or any of those, nursing, go for chiropractic. Uh, it is far and away better, I think, than those, and you'll be less frustrated with yourself. Be the one making the decisions. Be the one calling the shots, and I think you'll be more, you'll be happier with what you do. Those other professions are on a mother-may-I basis, at least to be reimbursed you, for the services. You, you are under a doctor's script to perform them. I like being my own boss. I like being my own decision maker. And, and obviously you're talented enough to do one of those other things because those take a lot of school and a lot of work and, and good intellect. And yet you're not the, the, the honcho. So I think there's a, that would be frustrating. And so really give that a thought. 
And some may say, well, I don't want to be the honcho. And okay, great. But just really look at that for yourself and make sure you're going to be okay with mother may I. That would be, that would be it. And just go for it. It's a great profession. And, and we need more chiropractors because I think this, the, some of the outlying areas, we may be the primary care gap filler for some communities. So I think it could be explosive. And if you're a woman, it's absolutely perfect, perfect for you. We, I think uh, there's some generalities to be made there. But women in chiropractic, we need more women. So there you go. <laughs> Well, again, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we are uh, sort of out of time here. I have to wrap things up on I Want to Be A on LJN Radio. Again, we've been looking at the chiropractic field today with our expert guest, Dr. Cynthia Vaughn out of Texas. Thanks again, you know, obviously bringing not only your experience and insight into the field, but your excitement and, and your love for the, the industry. We definitely appreciate hearing that, and I'm sure all the listeners love all the information they've gotten. So thanks again for coming on today. Absolutely. been my pleasure. Thank you. You too. Of course, we want to know from you, the listeners as well, what other positions might interest you. Just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions, really for any of our podcasts on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.